it's Cofield and Company. Now out high, a shot blocked. Now they're off to the races. Marchessault, here he comes behind the defense. Marchessault down the middle. He scores! Marchessault flies up the ice. And the righty beats Forsberg. 1-0 Golden Knights. Ottawa in the Vegas zone. Right side, worked in front. Glove stop by Leonard. Zach Sanford, what a chance. Eichel, 10 seconds. Eichel, side of the net. Marsh so to the right, a shot. Blocked. Now Eichel shoots. He scores! Power play goal. Five seconds left. Knights in the lead, 2-1. Jack Eichel's first power play goal of the night gives Vegas the last second lead. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. This is a wild show, mostly full of a lack of concentration, airheadedness, <laughs> conversations that go nowhere because we don't know what the hell we're saying to each other. Uh, it just hit me during the break that I did speak to another MMA expert last week, not you. <laughs> okay. Because I could swear you told me that Masvidal had a chance against Covington because my take was wherever the fight goes, if it's wrestling, Covington's going to win it. If it's striking, then Masvidal has a chance. Jorge Masvidal got beat up pretty bad by Kobe Covington. I had RJ Clifford on on Friday. Okay. And he's the one who, who threw back at me that Masvidal's takedown defense was pretty good. So didn't work out. No. Didn't work out. Colby Covington, swell fella. He wins. Other swell fellas on the card like Bryce Mitchell. We can get into that another day. Yeah. He won as well. I know he's one of your favorites. Big five time with Adam Hill and Ari. Let's do it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. 15 minutes away from talking a little VGK. You heard the highlights coming in and how Robin Leonard did in that game against Ottawa. Boy, all these big stories this weekend. We haven't even gotten to what's going on with Brittany Griner. What is going on? When the hell does she get out of Russia? I don't know if she will. I mean, at some point it's going to happen. They'll probably do some goodwill move to try to smooth things over as if we care. Uh, about Brittany Grinder being arrested for something she probably should be arrested for uh, in Russia. Um, it sucks that, you know, some. I don't know the situation with her. If she didn't know that she had it or if she was trying to sneak something in. Um, it always sucks when people are detained in foreign countries. But if people did something wrong, again, we don't know. If she did something wrong, I think our outrage and our, you know, over-the-top, what are you guys doing to Brittany Griner? Well, probably can stop but it's been it's been three weeks and what happens if this is some sort of negotiating pawn she's a human what, being. what happens if if putin decides to make this into be terrible something awful be terrible but if for right now she's detained for something that sounds like she did something illegal number four go ahead present the story I put the ban on for a reason. I don't speak about the sport. So uh, I would say that there's been a little bit of misunderstanding from people of exactly what is going on with the negotiations. I know you, you love them. I know you're all in. You're monitoring the every day back and forth between the MLB and the MLBPA. Um, there was a report that as part of the negotiations the MLBPA agreed to some potential pretty big rules changes in baseball. That's not really what happened. I mean, they, it, that is what happened. They agreed as part of negotiations. They said, 
okay, if you budge on this, this, and this, we will give you these rules changes. And now people are like, rules. It's part of the negotiation. I imagine by the time a deal is done, these will be implemented. This will be part of the new rules. But for right now, it's not official. It's just part of the negotiation back and forth. It's part of what the MLBPA relented on in order to get some other things they potentially want. Uh, but one of the big ones, no shift, which I'm already out. Like, it's I, – I get some hitters are annoyed. I get some fans don't like it. It's part of strategy. It's so stupid. It's like it, it's like in football. Like, all right, we're getting rid of the blitz. Going to open up the passing game a little more. No more blitzing. Like, what? What are you talking about? It's part of how you defend players. And as, as since it's such an analytics tool, especially, obviously, you know, I'm I'm out on this. This is silly. Um, I'm also actually out on the 14 second pitch clock, uh, which becomes 19 when there's runners on base. Uh, I'm out on that, too. Again, I get it. They want to try to shorten games. They think there's too much downtime in between plays. I get it. But it's also why I love baseball, the strategy between pitches, um, the you know gamesmanship between runners and pitchers and hitters and pitchers and third base coaches and pitchers and everything else. Like that's part of the game. It's part of why I love it. It's part of what I grew up with. It's part of why I was good at baseball, by the way. <laughs> like that that was that was part of it. I hate that you're doing this. Like this is not this is not rec league. This is Major League Baseball. You watch it or you don't. Nobody. Again, I get what their thought process is. Nobody is going to start watching baseball because there's a 19-second pitch clock. Oh, this makes it better. No, it doesn't. Stop with these. And I don't – I'll even – I'll say this one. They want to make the bases bigger. and I don't even get it. I don't even get that. What does that do? I'm sure there's some explanation for it. Maybe – Guys don't slide off the base as much because I think people hate that, you know, the uh, the tags on replay when you hold the tag on a guy and they get up and they step off the base for a second. I guess that's something. Um, I guess there may be more outs if the base is bigger. The You can stretch further as a first baseman. I don't know. Th- that one seems so stupid to me. I, I know you don't like you don't care about any of this. You're banning it. I, no, I, I care about it. I want to discuss it when they return. For now, the owners don't care if their sport is played. So why would I pay attention to any of it or give it any? It's att- going to get played. Is it? Yes. And the other thing is I don't want to come on here every day and and talk about labor versus management because that's what's going to happen. So, Well, there's, no, there's nothing to discuss. Labor's right, management's wrong. I will say one thing. I do see some sports radio people who are trying to take up for the story that it's 50-50. I'll just say to sports radio people, the same type of people who run baseball teams also own radio stations and radio groups. They're the same people who fired you during the pandemic who couldn't stick with you. So think about who you're backing, you idiots. Number three. And I would do that all the time if we talked about baseball. So that's why I don't do it. Well, you knew this one was going to get people fired up. Phil Jackson walking into Staples. Oh, boy. Or whatever it's called now. Crypto. Crypto.com arena. Here we go. Phil's back in the picture. Bitcoin tumbled today, by the way. 
Is he back in the picture because Jeannie talks to him every once in a while? Her ex-boyfriend, ex-fiance, right? I think so. He's back in the picture. He's back. Vogel's like, whoa, okay. He'll be coaching in no time. You know know he's 76 years old, right? Won't he? No. Minus 250. Okay, I I do this bet, but I don't have, and you don't have another 39 minutes to lay out the parameters. What if he dies? Bet's off. We don't have time to set up the bet, but yeah, I, I will. <laughs> you, you, yes. Wait, you did yes? Yes. Don't yes. do yes as minus 250. Phil Jackson stupid. coaches the team at some point next season, minus 250. Notice if how he just, he just changed it to next season. That's what, I, that's what uh, I'm saying. Oh, I was hoping he was gonna he's going to take over in like two games no, to save no, the day. No, 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 Next season. And he might not start as the coach. He will be the coach. I would take the bet. We're going to have to work things out now. Now that we've had controversy on the show, I, we don't have time on the air to work out all the parameters. Well, again, if Phil dies or takes a job somewhere else or has a serious health scare, they'd probably be off. I'll, I'll take, like I said, I'll take the no. He's not coaching okay. ever again. Wow. Okay. He's 76. It's enough. All right. He's living a good life. He's coaching. But but Laker Dumb is going crazy. Of course. They should. They should, Just so you know, I, I, I wasn't making a bet at home, but I already had this discussion with the SO, who's a big Lakers fan. I'm like, Phil? I'm like, stop. Stop. He's back. And I said I said he's 76. She's like, doesn't matter. What did he do before? He wasn't even actually coach. He just stood there. He just mentored guys, smoked his weed. So then why do you want him back? I don't. He's just kind funny. of a chill, chill, old, chill old guy who makes everyone else work and then gives good speeches and gets them all zenny. It's hilarious. I'm in. I mean, I'll tell you who's not in. You are in if you're willing to make that bet. I'll tell you who's not in after. I know we can talk about it in the future when you catch up, but Jerry West isn't in. Oh, boy. That poor guy. I, I heard. I heard. I'll, uh, I'll catch that, up on winning time. That poor guy. I'll catch up on winning time. <laughs> what a, I felt a little. What a mess. Number two. Vic Tafer from The Athletic. Raiders start working on a new deal for Max Crosby while there's, quote, no rush on Derek Carr. What's the story here? Crosby or no rush on Derek Carr? In direct contrast to my last week saying there's no timetable because there's not, according to Dave Ziegler. Like, my impression after talking to Ziegler last week was, I don't think so. So what does Vic have here? Well, I assume it's coming from Crosby's agent. Yeah. Um. So it, it, listen, it makes sense. It makes sense. It would make some sense for them to do this. There are why. Well, you don't want to have, want him to have another year like this year, and then next year he's getting, you know, seventy million a season. <laughs> like it's going to be nuts. Um, it, it makes some sense to lock him in, especially to provide if you if you are going to build your defense around Max Crosby, which I think most people expect that they will. It probably helps to have some cost certainty of what that's going to be, so that you can then work on the rest of the roster for the next couple of years. Like that makes some sense. Um, where you could get into maybe you let him play out the season and maybe he takes a step backward and maybe it's not as much next year, but now he's a free agent and now you're opening him up to many other possibilities of somebody giving him a lot of money next season. Like, I I think this is a deal you probably should try to do. And that's why I asked Dave Ziegler specifically if they are working on it. And he said, not directly, no, but he gave a very long answer about, you know, you realize when you take the job, there's a ton of different priorities and you want to get everything done on that first day and then you realize that there's deadlines for everything and you can put certain things off or down the road and as far as max crosby goes and his extension that's a conversation that could happen organically 
but there's nothing on the horizon right now. Last week, I discussed it with someone on the show. I don't know who I do the shows with anymore. Anyway, uh, Spot Trek, right? Good contract site. Projected Max Crosby's extension at four years, 55.6 million, 14 million a year. PFF over the weekend. The deal is five years, $136 million. Yeah. What just happened? I think that's closer. How do we just jump $81 million? Yeah. $55 million and 14 a year? The upper 20s? I mean... Wow. I think it's somewhere between those. Okay. But it's, it feels closer to the second one. He led the league in pressures by a large margin. I'm not arguing against it. I just, by that number last week, I was like, wow, I, I think Max Crosby might be worth more than Hunter Renfro, who is, that site said 17 million a year for Hunter Renfro. I was like, 14 seems a little low for Max Crosby. I, and again, this is all number soup here with the salary cap and all that. I, really, all you're doing is comparing where a guy is signed versus his peers. And that, that, that kind of deal, a 136 deal would be, you know, one of the top three deals for a defensive player right defensive player oh, yeah. in the league oh yeah and that's probably what wow probably what he's looking at uh in terms of the retro one uh i'd almost certainly try to do that deal not at 17 i would try to get a little bit cheaper because right. i'd be terrified if i'm this coaching staff and this or really this this front office that with this offense hunter Renfro is going to have 200 catches next year and i'd want to i'd want to have that deal done before you're overdoing it a bit, but you could see him getting like 170 targets. Yes, especially if they don't. I mean, I'm sure their plan is to bring in a, a number one receiver, but especially if they don't, we know what Josh McDaniels' offenses do with slot receivers. And if your number one weapon is a slot receiver already, it's going to be insane how many targets this guy gets. And I'd be worried that his value is going to skyrocket if we don't get a deal done this offseason. Should we read anything into what Vic Taper from The Athletic said? With the comment, there's, quote, no rush on Derek Carr. Will Camp Carr read anything into that? I'm sure they will. I mean, listen, my impression was there's no rush on either deal. Like, I don't think they're rushing anything right now. And I, I don't know that they have to. Again, I, again, if I'm Carr, I'm not playing on this contract. It's either trade me or sign me. Um, but there's still a little bit of time before that happens. You can go through the draft, you can go through free agency and figure it out then. Number one. I love the combine so much. It's so good for NFL chatter. I know why you like it because it's football nerddom and it's your own little club there. It's an you, ref you refuse to move it from Indianapolis. What a town. People run, they lift, they jump, they broad jump. And we go gaga over the numbers. Or we overreact. Or we overreact. Always overreact. Last week, early in the day, Chris Olave, a 4-2-9. Oh, my God, the wide receiver from Iowa State. No way he's getting to the Raiders. Let's correct that to 4-3-9. Maybe it changes things a little bit. The source subject. Yeah, maybe it changes things a little bit. I, You mean since, since the cover of the RJ was going to be Chris Olave runs away from the Raiders <laughs> and at 12-30, yeah. Indianapolis time, 9.30 Las Vegas time. I was out at dinner and had to write a new story on my phone. They changed the And changed redo the, the entire front page of the paper. Yeah. yeah. Behind the curtain. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Feel bad for you. Funny. <laughs> yeah. Funny's a word. Hilarious. All right. 
Oh, also at the time, just I, was, I know yeah, you're yeah. going on. Uh, happened to be sitting, and I don't remember if I told this in the story. Um, as I was freaking out, panicking, writing my story on my phone, was sitting next to Carson Strong. Had my you, know, you told me that. Oh, okay, I yeah, was that was the story we talked okay. about. Yeah, yeah, we talked about it on yeah. Friday show. Okay. Um, so a couple things on the combine because the big fellows ran. One, um, I was at a place. You know, I love this place in Albuquerque. It was on the road. UNLV was playing New Mexico. Uh, Ojos Locos. Oh boy. Yeah. A lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Basically, like a uh, taco hooters, a, a more risque, yes, Tex-Mex hooters. Sure, it's dynamite. The ladies are dressed uh, nicely. Um, that said, I sat at the bar staring at fat guys running. Okay. Instead of all these lovely ladies, and I'm not lying, I was fascinated. I'm thinking to myself, why does this six, two and a half, three hundred and thirty pound guard prospect have to run the forty? And then he goes out there and runs a 5-4-2, and you're like, you force SOB. Why did Matt Ariza have to run the 40? But then but then I was then they then but then the thing is they got me because then I'm watching, I was telling you the guy Penning, who's what, the six seven tackle prospect from Northern Iowa. I'm like, man, he's long and lean, kind of athletic. I'm liking this. Meanwhile, just awesome atmosphere around me, and I'm just focused on giant guys running. And then I I didn't see it live, but I saw Jordan Davis run. And for the last two weeks, I've been saying, you know what? The Raiders can't take a guy who is 350 pounds, who could be on his way to 420. You can't do it. He's a part-time player. You can't do it. And then he goes out and runs a 478 at 346 pounds. And I'm like, let's go. You got to get him just because he can run fast. But that said, he's an awesome athlete. Um, Maybe the only guy on the face of the earth who actually doesn't lie about his height and go up. He's six six and three quarters, three hundred and forty six pounds. He ran a four seven eight. Then he, he, I think he beat the. It was like the 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 broad jump record for guys over three hundred and ten pounds by like fifteen inches. Crushed it. This guy is Zion Williamson. If he were in shape, I'm saying if Zion were in shape, I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't like that comparison if I was Davis. What do you mean? Can you find somebody different for me. 346 pounds, and he ran a 478, and it looked fast. Because I can tell you, some of the fat guys from the offensive line who ran, they looked slow. This looked fast. He's a beast. Holy crap. And now I'm seeing PFF is like, the floor is 17 with the Chargers. Like, he was a part-time player with a weight issue 10 days ago. But they won't play on third down. Yeah. Yeah. What a prospect. What an intriguing prospect. Because you got to think, there are teams out there who are like, all right, if we can get him down to 325, he's still a gigantic human being, and then he could be a full-time player. But that's the trick of the draft. Well, I mean, I, I think in one of the things – and By the way, Jordan Davis is a defensive lineman from Georgia, if you're not familiar with him, and he is six foot six and three eights and 346 pounds. Right, and is a uh, unquestioned it's top ridiculous. prospect. Yeah. But as as I was just alluding to, the question on him two, two weeks ago, in going into the combine, was if he's so good as we think he is – why did Georgia consistently take him off the field on third down? I believe the numbers he played around 14% of third downs at Georgia. Why did they take him off the field? Now, part of the answer is they had three NFL guys behind him that they had to get snaps at some point. Fine. I swear every list that I saw of like combine winners was some guy from Georgia. Uh, Nakobe. There were more beyond that. Who I believe is like uh, every guy went to the combine and raised their stock. They were just awesome i just saw uh the kobe dean mock to the raiders and a very new one uh, another one of my guys i'll 
pretty much everybody I had like lengthy, meaningful conversations I came with very impressed, except for one guy. Okay. Should I, should I give it away or just leave it? Well, actually, the other guy I wanted to talk about with measurables was Aiden Hutchinson, who, what's more important? Is it your reach, which is measured from fingertip to fingertip across the back, or is it your arm length? Because I think his reach would suggest that he's a pterodactyl. His arms, like just the arm measurement, is not that bad. So that means chest narrow. It means that he's got a small back. He's got a yeah. he's he's got a an undersized back. I've never seen that one. You got to drop him undersized back. He's gonna drop from one to one. You wouldn't worry that he uh, that he has a narrow back. No, I don't know. So so you're answering my question. What the most important thing is not your is not tip to tip, right? Like freaking what is what is John Jones? Isn't he like? At 6'3", isn't he, doesn't he have like an 84 and a half inch reach? Sure. But and, the, and I think Aiden Hutchinson's like the same height, and he's got a 78 and a half inch reach. Sure. The most important thing, I think, is Arm the fact 32 that he and a half. gets to the quarterback every single play. Will he? If his, if his little arms, if his alligator arms, his, his can't, arms are fine. can't, can't Again, throw people down? His back. It's his back that you're worried about. There's got to be something with the back. That his you arms need, are fine. That you need for pass rush. No, it probably helps. Less surface mm-hmm. area to block. Competition in the Big Ten. Shaky. Okay. I think he was fine. He's a good prospect, but he doesn't weigh 346 pounds and he can't run a 478. Um, that's, I'm now in love with Big Fellow who can go fast. That's because of his back, though. Yeah. Which is back a lot to which, run. By the way, think about how applicable is it for a defensive tackle? What, what does it matter if he runs a 478? It doesn't. What does the, he run the 10 in? That's the 15. The, 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 what's, the, the, really, what's the 15? Well, I'm sure it was really good. May, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he. He might run a terrible 10. He, he ran a two and a half second 10, and then all of a sudden a sub two, like a sub it's two a final 30. Yeah, I don't think so. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570 You're listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Dave Gosher on the call. AT&T Sports Night. Good call. Eichel, big moment. Knights win. Do you get along with everyone in the VGK media? I feel like you were, you were sniping again. Uh, are we still doing the Leonard V. Math? Arguments. Uh, I saw Willie's guy, Danny Webster. So it means you're taking it up with Willie as well. It's my guy too. Um, Danny Webster said, "Normally, I'd wait until the playoffs to say this, but somebody making five million dollars on this team has got to make a play." You responded, "Didn't Leonard make like a bunch of them?" Yeah. Was he talking about Leonard? No, he was referencing somebody needed to make a play on offense. Okay, and I knew that. Oh, okay, so he wasn't. He was just going. He was going after several players. Yeah, he was like he usually does it in the playoffs. Okay, where you know it's you know late in the game, they need a goal, and he'll be like, "Oh, there's there's like five guys making over five million. One of them might want to make a play at some point." We're concerned about what everyone's making. Is that the new thing? Apparently, okay. Uh, 
No, it was just. I thought. I see. I, I thought by your response that he was maybe he was a, a guy who went after Leonard off. No, no, he was. He was just saying somebody in office needs to make a play. He he responded. He was like, "Yes, I mean a skater," yeah. which I knew he meant. I was just kind of messing with him. I'm glad and, we explained uh, that. Yeah, and you thought Leonard saved the day in many ways until was, Eichel officially saved the day. It was incredible yesterday, and it's what they need. And by, by the way, whew, math. Oh boy, give him three and thirty-two seconds yesterday. Not good. I don't feel like you're objective on this. He one. started. He started bashing his stick against the post. It was funny. Why are you? What? He was the happiest I've seen you in almost three hours. He was very frustrated. Look at how happy. Calm down. <laughs> Calm down. All right. He's a well, Vegas hero. He's going to get that statue and be classy. Can the statue be him slamming his stick against the post yesterday? Will that be the pose in the statue? Why must you pick a fight with so many VGK fans by? Going after their guy. He only gave up six. It's fine. You just keep going after him. It was a decent game. Six goals. Not bad. Three and 32 seconds. Coming up next, uh, we'll get into what happened with the uh, first listing of the All-Mountain West Conference men's honors. Only by the media. We'll see what the league does. But the media, 11, well, a voter from each market made their selections. And a lot of people are pissed off. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Rebels down by five. Hamilton a three. It's no good, and there was a foul there right on his arm. What an absolutely horrible no call. Bryce got hit right on the arm, right in front of us, and it wasn't called. Wow. That is absolutely atrocious, and that could be the game. Now, back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, a couple of things on that. John Sandler, Curtis Terry on the call. Rebels lose on the road. That was uh, an air ball that Bryce Hamilton shot five feet to the right and probably seven feet short, which is generally not how he misses. Are you enjoyed the call? Were you watching the game at the time? I was running the game actually here at the ESPN Las Vegas. We well, can watch. You can watch the. I would. I would watch the game while I was running it. So I. Can. Of course you would. Yes. Yes. Then you get distracted. But I had a job to do. So. Oh my god. No. No. I, I heard it live. He also went on to say that they would have lost anyway for various reasons. So, but I just uh, the call was Did interesting. He? I don't remember him. Not I, thought I, on, I thought I was listening to the game. That would have made it seventy to sixty-eight. So you if were he had distracted. Made it. Well, actually, he didn't make it, so he would have, he'd have to make three free throws. Seventy to sixty-eight, twenty-four seconds left. So it yeah. it was it wasn't a good call. And I actually happened to be sitting on the same side, right above John and Curtis, and I was running video at that point, and I I got video of the shot, and then I screen capped it. Which, by the way, if you're going to take my screen cap with the play button on it, like, I know where you got it from. Other people on Twitter. Um, it's not a big deal. It was a terrible picture, too. It was all kind of grainy. But anyway, um, yeah, he was hit on the arm by Jalen House, the New Mexico guard. Another interesting side note on that is that Eddie House was calling the game. Eddie House, the father of Jalen House, with... Darren Sutton, who's the son of Don Sutton, calling a game with Richard Patino, who's the son of Rich or Rick Patino, against wait, hold on, Kevin Kruger, who's the son of Lon Kruger. Sheesh. 
I feel like I'm missing another father-son combo somewhere in there. That's a weird deal, right? Very. Right. Good fun facts, though. And Curtis Terry was calling the game who's brother of Jason Terry. But that's not father-son. So then I saw a complaint because of, let's see, the foul wasn't called where Bryce got hit on the left arm on a three. Then I saw someone complaining that Eddie House shouldn't be calling the game because his son Jalen House was in it. I happened to have a conversation before the game about Eddie House being on it with Jeff Grammer, who writes for the Albuquerque Journal, and he said, yeah, it's a little bit weird, but what I've heard is that Eddie House actually gets is really tough on his son, like almost too much. So, so does anyone understand what I just said? I do, so I would assume everyone does then. Bryce Hamilton got fouled. That's the bottom line. Now, the problem with the Rebels is they fell behind 37-16 to in the first half. Kevin Kruger says the fact that they were the number five seed and they couldn't move up or down from there, that didn't play a factor and just blamed it on a bad first half with a lack of urgency where they didn't work to get good shots and they also got sped up defensively. But I'll tell you this, the the New Mexico side is really interesting. They don't have a lot of front court players, but those two guards are really good. Jamal Mashburn, that was the other one. Jamal Mashburn Jr. was playing, and his dad, Jamal Mashburn, played for Rick Patino, whose son coaches New Mexico. So it just, there's so many connections. There's so many connections. Um, that is going to be a good program. If Jalen House and Jamal Mashburn Jr. stay for their entire time they have left, they're both transfers, one from Minnesota, one from Arizona State. They've got Jalen House for two more years and Jamal Mashburn Jr. for three more. They just have to build the rest of the team because Jalen House – on Saturday, no one on UNLV could stay in front of him. And he was going left most of the time, but he draws fouls. He freaking makes some crazy shots going to his left. So that is actually it's part of the setup for the Rebels in this Mountain West Conference tournament. They have to make sure they defend guards well. There's two things. They have to keep guards in front of them, and then against these teams that are dominant post teams, they have to make sure post players are not catching the ball where they want. And in the games they won this year, they did a good job of both. Like, the first New Mexico game, they killed them. They beat them 85-56, and they also got Jalen House in foul trouble. He had four fouls. He played 23 minutes. I mean, New Mexico is a completely different team with that guy on the floor. And then, obviously, with this first game against Wyoming – they don't have a lot of blow-by guards. They're a big team, and they play the post, right? And it's Graham Ike banging his way down to the post at 6'9", and Hunter Maldonado, who's 6'6", who plays the point a lot, he also bangs his way down in the post. So they're going to have to do a good job defensively keeping those guys from catching the ball or getting the ball to, like, five feet. They did that for much of the game, especially against Ike, and that's why they won last Wednesday. So I just talked about Jalen House being outstanding. He's a future all-conference player. I believe that. Mashburn has a chance as well. You got to win, though, and that's you know that's that's how the honors work. We're seeing it today. We had the media announcement. Because I don't I don't know if people know. It used to be I think the Mountain West Conference used to have a mix of media and the coaches. If I'm correct, they got rid of the media vote, and so the media, led by Jeff Grammer of the Albuquerque Journal, decided to do their own honors 
The coaches' selections are going to be out here soon, which will be really interesting. The media honors pissed off people in lots of places. Um, locally, I'll say this. Uh, Bryce Hamilton is on the first team. He deserves to be on the first team. He led the conference in scoring in conference games, 24.1 points per game. Was he the player of the year? You know, on the broadcast, John and Curtis talked about it. John Sandler, Curtis Terry, they thought he was the player of the year. I would have given the player of the year to David Roddy. That's who everyone else gave the player of the year to. There were 11 votes. Bryce Hamilton got one. David Roddy got eight. Two others got a vote. Now, the interesting thing is uh, Bryce Hamilton was not first team on everyone's ballot, including one of the Reno writers. Now, I don't think the Reno writer has an axe to grind, but I hadn't even thought of this one. He actually didn't put Bryce Hamilton or Orlando Robinson on the first team. My first team for the men in the Mountain West Conference was Maldonado, Roddy, Bryce Hamilton, Orlando Robinson, and Matt Bradley from San Diego State. Robinson, a Las Vegan who's at Fresno State, Roddy, Colorado State, and Maldonado, as I just told you, Wyoming. The writer from Reno actually had both Orlando Robinson and Bryce Hamilton on the second team. As one Twitter follower pointed out, that guy's just anti-Vegas. He went against the UNLV player, and he went against Orlando Robinson, who's from Las Vegas. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think it's quite that sinister. In fact, I don't think it's sinister at all. San Diego State fans are all pissed off because the all-media team, the first team, did not include Matt Bradley. I disagree with that. But here's the deal. There were like eight or nine deserving players to make first team in the Mountain West Conference. And how much does winning play into the mix? It probably should. And for Bryce Hamilton, he was on a team that went 10-8 and eight in conference. Should Boise State have a player on the first team? There are a lot of Boise State fans who are pissed off. I will guarantee you if Boise State doesn't get a player on the first team by the coaches, Leon Rice, the Boise State coach, will say something. Now the problem there is Abu Kijab and Marcus Shaver, their two best players, you know, points per game. I think they had four guys averaging double figures, but no one was higher than like 14.5 points a game. By the way, one one uh, one media member did name Abu Kijab, Abu Kijab, the player of the year, which is an interesting choice. But the coaches seem to lean more towards the winning teams, and especially one that wins a conference outright. And Boise went 15 and three, so we'll see what they come up with. I have a feeling a Boise player will be on the first team. Don't be shocked if Bryce Hamilton somehow doesn't make it to the first team, and then lots of Las Vegans will be peeved. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Some NFL news before we close out with a few more college basketball notes. If you don't know, uh, college basketball is being played all over Las Vegas. UNLV Lady Rebels won in the quarterfinals of the Mountain West Conference Women's Tournament. They were the best regular season team in the league. They won the regular season title. Today, they took out Utah State. They'll play Air Force tomorrow at 5 o'clock. And, you know, UNLV fans have a chance to take advantage of the games being played at the Thomas and Mack. Get out there. Give your support. And hopefully they can win the next two games and get the bid to the NCAA tournament. Stick your hand in there, Dave. NFL news, franchise tags, 
officially placed today. Orlando Brown, big tackle, who many in Kansas City don't believe is actually a left tackle. He was a right tackle. Out of necessity, they played him at left. He got the tag. So he's going to get just short of $17 million with the tag. Remember, Orlando Brown traded from the Ravens is still only 25 years old, and he was a pro bowler. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Jesse Bates. Bengals. Safety. Tagged. So that's taken care of. If he played out the year on the tag, there's no long-term deal. He'll make $13 million. And again, as Adam Hill mentioned earlier, sometimes the tag is a placeholder for a long-term deal. So Bates gets the tag. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Now this is where it gets interesting. The first two were interesting, but this is where it gets really interesting. Is there a long-term deal on the way for David Njoku of the Browns? The tight end gets the Browns tag. Just under $11 million fully guaranteed if the tag holds here. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Tags that could be on the way. And this is where it gets really, really, really interesting. What happens to the wide receiver market if several teams put the franchise tag on their big-time wide receivers? Tampa Bay Buccaneers expected to put the franchise tag on Chris Godwin. Last year with Brady, 98 catches, 1,100 yards, five touchdowns. Antonio Brown is gone forever from the Bucks. If Godwin hit the market, he's gonna get he's gonna get really big money. Well, as of now, that ain't gonna happen. If the Bucks, if this is true, Bucks expected to tag Chris Godwin. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Report saying the Chargers expected to tag Mike Williams. Again, this would affect the overall market. Uh, some of those rumors that I told you were not true last week, that the Chargers have interest in Devontae Adams. Again, folks, I'm not trying to hammer on your trust of what you read on the Internet, but not everything is from credentialed, connected media. Just because some jabroni in his basement says, well, this would be a cool idea, Devontae Adams to the Chargers because they have lots of money, that doesn't make any sense when they've already got Keenan Allen as a one and they've technically got the rights to Mike Williams, who, listen, Mike Williams ain't Devontae Adams, but if I can keep him around, you know, in the area of whatever, 17, 18 million, and Devontae Adams expects to get 30 million, then I'm keeping Mike Williams. So imagine if Mike Williams and Chris Godwin are tagged, then what the hell do you do with Devontae Adams if you're the Packers? Especially if A-Rod announces here that he wants out. Are you going to keep Devontae Adams with the idea like, hey, he's our one great player on offense, we have to keep him? Or is it complete rebuild time? And the other part of it is, from Devontae Adams' standpoint, if Aaron Rodgers is gone and they've got a bridge quarterback, like they can't make a trade for a top 15 quarterback, you think he's going to want to stay around? He's going to raise his stink to go somewhere else. And then there were those weird rumors over the weekend that he might have purchased a house in Las Vegas. But we know about those because Tom Brady was rumored to uh, have the same thing going on. All right, back in the back. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Ari, I know you're not a big college basketball fan, so I'm guessing the answer is no. But you are a casual sports fan, and I feel like 
for casual sports fans, maybe you got sucked in by the week of hype. And then if you watched any college basketball on Saturday, my God, ESPN pushed the Coach K farewell as hard as you could. Now, you were at Porta Subs, by the way. Thanks to Porta Subs. Yes. The location. Uh, Village Center Circle, right? 1910 Village Center Circle right there on uh, near Summerlin Parkway and Town Center. That's it. You were out there from, from 11A to 1. I know that's a busy work day for you, so you may have just shut it down and slept the rest of the weekend. Did you have any interest in watching one of the legends of sports? I... A man who is bigger than the game itself. Mike Krzyzewski, I... final game. Did you bite? No, I didn't. I'm well aware of his his legend and everything, too. It wasn't exactly something I had to search for or be like, what is this? What's going on? I, I get the uh, relevance, the importance and everything. Um, just, yeah, like you said, I'm a little more of a casual fan. Is and, it? Uh, I'll say this. Is it sad that so many people on Twitter are just so snarky that they couldn't refrain from the snark for like three hours and go, you know what? I do appreciate that Coach K had some really good teams. And look at it this way, because I know a lot of people don't like him, and they think he's overhyped, and there was too much of a spotlight put on the game. When you when you think about it, we do need villains in sports, and we do need teams that are villains. And I know I'm speaking to the – well, actually, this is perfect for the audience here in Vegas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, John Treach, who we love, he's a really nice dude over at uh, KLAS, sent something out that seemed a bit sympathetic – towards Duke and Coach K about the, some of the coverage got covered up because Texas and Kansas went too long. And he sends that out. And then Mark Wallington is over at UNLV is one of the SIDs for, you know, for football. He is the SID for football. He pointed out to John, like, this is not the place you're going to get a lot of good Coach K feelings, you know, uh, kind of the, 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 one of the markets that freaking hates UNLV. But if we all, if we all step back and go, you know what? He was good. He put together really good teams they were a villain for many of college basketball. We can still celebrate that, even if we don't like them, right? Why can't we take the high road? Ah. Well, I'll admit, <laughs> it's I actually... Coach K. I, I, I took the high road for, like, a couple hours, and then I did have to tweet out something to the effect of um, when I did see Wojo in the crowd and, you know, the Shane Battier types there, I wanted to kick my TV because one of the things I cannot stand about college basketball now is block charge. And the charge being called so often. And if you remember all the time with Battier and, and Woj when they're playing defense with a slap the floor and Battier at 230 pounds going down like a feather. I feel like he was one of the first guys who came up with the stupid flop. So even I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it for much longer. Take that, Coach K. But I will say, you know what? Thanks for being a villain. That's a good thing, right? We need villains. Yeah, that's Coach the K, end. Thanks for, being a, thanks for being a top-notch villain. Tom's Urban tomorrow. Getting ready for the uh, road game, VGK. At Philadelphia, come on down. Try the Red Bull Party Starter. We'll be there from 3 to 6.